0: Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your week in sports car show with my man, my main guy on comms and reporting and just mirth in general fun. That being the editor of DailySportsCar.com, but you might know him as the face, voice, sound, uh, and just generally sparkly person on Asian Le Mans series broadcast European Lamar <laughs> series broadcast world endurance championship broadcasts. You are, uh, you are a broad caster Graham. Goodwin. Well, how are you?
1: Broad is the word. I'm, 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 I think anybody that's been watching social media today will know it's been a slightly tricky day. Yeah. We, we, we lost uh, uh, we did lo- a beloved we lost furry a friend. Yeah. We lost a uh, DSC cats stunt double bear. Um, uh, today and that's uh, anybody that's got furry friends around knows how tough a day that was and tears have been shed and you know we move forward but poor old boy was struggling a bit and cannot see an animal suffer like that that's um so he's no longer with us so at the moment i've got a dog and another cat looking for him which is the, is the other tough thing about it uh not that either of them actually showed any sign of actually liking him while he was around uh-huh. but now he's not around no, he's not around. Of course, uh, that becomes more difficult. But that aside, it's um, it's the end of a three-week back-to-back-to-back run with the WC, with IMSA, where it's great to see UMP, and at the European Le Mans series, which had all sorts of fun and games last weekend. I know we've got a few questions about that to go through, but it is good to be home.
0: Well... Our cat Rocky is chilling here with us, so maybe he's uh, feeling the void uh, there. So we also know our friend Ryan Eversley just lost uh, his prank, which he just loved so, so much. So, yeah, some sad times of late with uh, our beloved companions being lost. So why don't we do this in the interest of uplifting folks? Why don't we say a big thank you to Daniel Summersgill for his oh God. hyper pole winning lap of getting a whole bunch of questions together in a crazy short amount of time. And then also say a big thanks to the partners of our show, Graham, that being the justice brothers, Toronto dot and Cooper tires. And we do indeed have a heck of a bunch of questions. That being the official mm-hmm. unit of measurement, of the weekend sports cars show uh why don't we got one here from ed joris kind of stuck up top but i suggest we do indeed jump right into the the real questions uh, of the episode uh, kevin payne kicks it off graham what did you make of the driving standards That being a loose term at the spa european Le Mans series race last weekend
1: is this a family show?
0: Yes, and I don't have a beep button in front of me, so you got to beep
1: yourself. It was beep, 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 bad. Yes, yes. It was. Yeah, I thought we had a pretty bad race on Saturday with the Mission on the Mon Cup. the two hours there, peppered with both red flag sorry with uh, safety cars and with protests i think were 28 stewards decisions by oh. 1:45 the following morning which included the second place car being uh, penalized the, the winner in uh, GT3 being uh, unlo- losing their uh, their place as well and then we got to the european le mans series race And on no no
0: was- disrespect but if yep. you have the stewards up until 2am not for the main feature, Elms, but for the freaking Michelin Lamar Cup, right? Yeah. Come on, man. Yep. I'm just, like, if the warm up act has the stewards up till two a.m., that's not a precedent. the The main stars of the event should go well. Hold my beer. We can keep them up till at least five
1: a.m. Come on. And they did. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was. Uh... Uh, it was poor. It's got to be said. Give folks, uh, some, for quite, those who
0: might not have seen or, or heard, give folks some examples of the nonniest of nonsense.
1: Uh, well, let's put it this way. Just have a quick look here. So there were 50 decisions made by the stewards on the European Le Mans series. Not 50. all of them.
0: It was a 24 50. hour race, right? So that's spread across, yeah. you know, 24
1: hours. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, not all of them to do with the race itself, but most of them were. Uh, we had a car disqualified before we started because the team had lied about whether or not their bronze driver had actually taken part in free practice we had manuel maldonado a kid i really like with manuel i'm terribly sorry but the most dumbass move in turn 1 i've seen at spa in many a year taking out more than half the top class in doing so ah um uh, it just just locked up and i was and kidding I, I, it
0: being 24 hours Graham, please tell them how long it, it really was it
1: was it was a four-hour race. Fifty. It felt a lot longer. Fifty decisions <laughs> in a four-hour race. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, so he locked up. It felt like a Stavolo, but uh, he locked up almost before the braking zone. It was ridiculous. Took out um, one, two, three other cars, including himself. One of the cars was then punted off into the... Um, into the gravel trap that's now at the exit of La Source and was lucky enough to then be hit in the rear by another wayward LMP3 car which gave enough momentum to the LMP2 car that it managed to get back on the track otherwise it would have been stuck in the gravel uh, but it came back with the ass end of the car dragging along the floor we had the lot we had cars into barriers we had, car, we had cars with damage we had uh, uh, contact to the rear contact to the side contact to the front uh, it was... Ragged is what it was, Graham. And um, this, yeah, this works out to a steward's decision
0: approximately every five minutes during this race.
1: Yes, every yes.
0: five minutes, some well, sort of major steward's decision. They don't how's this. Well, uh, they not, don't make decisions on what to have for lunch. Who did a no, nice no, no. job a, apexing turn seven? These are negative I'm looking, decisions.
1: 50. I'm looking back here. And there were 35 of the decisions across the race meeting were from the race. Okay. And that did include cars losing significant places at the end of that race. Um, and such a shame because the quality of the racing this year has been so good. You know, I, I, you know, I'm not sure how many of our listeners have taken a look um, at the entry list this year, but it's absolutely amazing. And, Frankly, it was a race that was just ruined. There were some sparkling exceptions to it, some really, truly very good racing. But to give you an idea how poor it was on the Saturday, I think in two hours we had nine green flag laps, fully (laughs) green flag laps. Um, I don't even want to think about how many we had um, for the uh, for the Sunday. But it's uh, it wasn't good. It was not good
0: at all. Of a thousand jeers. Slightly different than the one at Adelaide in 2000 or whatever that was. Yeah.
1: 88 laps we did on the Sunday. I just checked it. And by the way, uh, 2024 IndyCar driver Kevin Simpson, uh, 2023 uh, Rolex 24 winner in LMP2 James Allen, and current Cadillac factory driver Alex Lynn took the win um, and did so by, frankly, keeping it clean. And that's all it really needed, ladies and gentlemen. Let's have a bit more of that next time. Uh, so it was unusually, it's got to be said, uh, a European Le Mans series race that I did not enjoy. And I don't think from many other people did anyway. And that's a real shame because after terrible weather earlier in the week, we had sunshine for the race and a big crowd, a, a crowd numbering by tens of thousands. No doubt about it. It's free entry first bar for the uh, ElMS. And um, I think people had, well, some form of entertainment. The only problem was that we're quite often seeing it at slow motion behind a safety car. So for long periods of the LMS race, it was sort of the speed you'd expect Formula E to be conducted themselves at, but rather oddly with more carnage.
0: Oh, boy. Well, we do have some other folks who have related questions, similar questions and whatnot. Uh, let's see, the Wawa 24 so should there be a better quality control checks on the AMs in certain championships, mm-hmm. such as the michelin Mans Cup, for the AMs who drive high-powered prototypes, I think an increased preseason pre-event test, or licensing requirement for non-pro drivers could be useful yep. to ensure safe races and more green flag running for the paying drivers.
1: Uh, Any I, faults I'm there so- you see
0: that need cleaning up?
1: Well, we've said it before. I know a couple of people have said it. The Wawa says, and Joe's 97 says, we've talked about uh, insert driving standards before. The same applies here, which is... Yeah, the odd thing here is, these are not inexperienced drivers making these errors. So it's not the case. It might have been with the Michelin and the Cup, but certainly not in the LMS. Um, there was just some dumbass tomfoolery going on. And I... I I'm sort of surprised that um, that Eduardo Freitas didn't call them all back in for a post-race meeting. I can tell you right now, I'd like to be in the drivers' briefing for Portimao, where we've got the double-header to finish the season. Because I can tell you right now, it's going to be an absolute lulu. Um, you know, I know that in this case, he did say, "Remember, it's a four-hour race; it can't be won at turn one." What happens at turn one? Carnage again, and we had carnage at turn one. The previous day with the Michelin among Cup as well. And my guess is that um, a lot of Freitas is renowned good humor and uh, he is anything but short of temper. But my guess is that um, that driver's briefing, if broadcast on YouTube, would get a million hits. There we go. Where should we yeah. go
0: next among our questiones here? We feel oh, like there's we've loads and loads covered off the poopage at a spa? uh spa.
1: Well, Jens Jensen and in Keyworth are both asking around uh, private cars, and there's been a bit of news uh, from Stephen Kilby this week. There's uh, another story that we were laying off, but it seems no one else has, so. Uh, we can talk about that one well, why as don't well. I, for
0: let me fire into some weckety weck, and I'll yeah. scroll back up to our guy Ed Joris, who says Honda Performance Development president David Salters yep. mentioned that joining the WEC, HPDE being the ones that is commissioned and run the Acura airx 6 hybrid MC GTP hot rod, said. Salters mentioned that joining the WEC needed to make competitive sense, among other things, before Honda could consider it. He asks, are we likely to see LMDH slash GTP cars winning WEC races on a regular basis in 2024? It's been pretty hypercarish ish in terms of yeah. victory lane.
1: But we did see a much better performance from Porsche at <laughs> uh, Fuji, and that's not what anybody expected with the possible exception of Porsche. Um, But things are coming good for a number of those teams. We know we've seen a number of teams out and testing updated cars for 2024. Cadillac recently at We'll have a story on that later this week. Porsche, we know, are bringing updates to their cars. Uh, We absolutely know, uh, and again, there'll be a story on it later this week, uh, uh, what Porsche are up to and what timescale is going on for them. (laughs) I don't entirely buy the the gaming the system for LMH at all. Um, I do think these are very very new cars. I think the reality is Toto have had two years practice with this. Ferrari have done a phenomenally good job with their new car uh, but then have had a couple of pretty poor races. Uh, everybody else is playing catch up that that really should have been what we expected at the very start of this year. The good news is we have seen competitive runs from Porsches, multiple Porsches now. Uh, We've seen competitive runs from the privateer Porsches, and there's questions about that later on. We've seen competitive runs from Peugeot. We've seen competitive runs from uh, Ferrari. And, of course, we've seen very competitive runs from Toyota. That should not be a surprise. I think if we stow the conspiracy theory for a while and give this an opportunity to play a little bit of catch-up with reality. Uh, I think we're going to see some different-looking cars next year, not dramatically so, but significantly so. Um, and then we might see what really should be kind of coming up the track um, by the time we get, I would su- suggest to you, MP, uh, to the Le Mans period of time for 2024. We've then got... BMW joining w- uh, the WEC. That's a car that will have had a year's uh, mileage in the Weather WeatherTech sports car championship under its wheels. We've got the Alpine joining the WEC. That's a chassis that in uh, Acura's hands, HPD's hands, has been a very worldly looking thing. Then we've got Lamborghini. We'll have a story about that later this week. Um, yes, we, I think we've, we've got a better story a day on Hypercar. All good, by the way. Uh, this week and into next week because there's so much going on um, I think we could all jump to lots of conclusions to say it's all to do with BOP, it's a fix, it's all been done to, to throw the title to when throw Le Mans Ferrari's way, anybody that listens to The weekend Sports Cars regularly will know that my view is the process of what happened at Le Mans was odd but the numbers, the levels that were played with with the hypercars, um, that was not a fix and, show, and throwing it um, Ferrari's way. The issue around tyre warmers may be less, uh, uh, may be more open to question, but the, the BOP values that were thrown the car's way at uh, Le Mans. Controversial, though, the basis of doing so might have been the values do not explain why Ferrari won Le Mans 24 hours. Ferrari won the Le Mans 24 hours buying a car that was quick for 24 hours. Um, And uh, Tota had a car that was quick for most of the 24 hours. They had one that had trouble uh, in the middle of the race, and they had one that had issues towards the end of the race. And you have to be perfect. Remember what we always say every single year, you've got to beat the race. Tota didn't this year. There we go. Let's see. And by the way, do I think Honda will be coming? Yes, I do. Uh, but as David Salters actually said on the call that both you and I were on, uh, in answer to another journalist asking, uh, frankly, what would have been an obvious question, I think I have got the obvious answer that no, they're not going to be doing it for twenty-four.
0: But they they will be before too long. Um, oh yes, Caleb Whistler, unrelated, asks: Could you explain the spirit intentions of rule? in the IMSA rule book like he's five years old, to which I say, I'm sure we could, Caleb. It sure helps when you tell us what that rule is and maybe include it.
1: Oh, this was the the rule about the restart, wasn't it, that uh, got the the Porsches penalized. Yeah, and I I feel like that was
0: a different number than what he's
1: mentioned. I thought it was 46.5.2. Yeah. I might be wrong. Yeah, so again... That, that was just, the wave by. Yeah,
0: so just, again, a um, little little note for the whatever future. If you got questions about the rules, we're happy to try to answer them. Just also yes. do us a solid and give us both the correct maybe. one and maybe include it instead of giving us but, homework because we're old and we don't like homework. Make,
1: make it easy for us, please.
0: Yeah, so we're I did so pull tired. up the rule book so here. Tired. Here we go. Yeah. <clears throat> Let me read it. This is regarding... Yes pass around and managing the pass around process why would IMSA instruct cars to go around others we have a caution for whatever reason there's usually an urgency to get the pace car out on track that doesn't mean that they sit and wait necessarily for the leader to come around and then have the pace car pull out directly in front of the leader which would in theory give you a correct ordering at least among the top class sometimes in order to get the event under control they'll fire that pace car out pick up whichever car happens to be directly behind slow the entire field and then set about the process of ordering slash reordering the field so here we have a situation where this is exactly what IMSA was trying to do and its rule, uh, what was it again, Graham? Which number were we looking at? Was it? 46? Uh, I think it's,
1: Caleb says forty-six point five point five. My recollection, that it was put forty-six point five point two. Got it. So I can't any, remember though. Yeah, uh, um, This was this was if I remember rightly the the uh, because we got two different yes. responses as to why, one of which came from Race Control, and that was that the Porsches were instructed to conduct themselves in a timely manner and did not to move around the
0: gt yeah so correct i believe as this was explained i mean the rule itself 46.5.2 which is what was cited by imsa and race control uh it, it does pertain to gt gtd pro and G- gtd cars must remain in running order and remain left And when instructed by race control, sorry, call Chris Wheeler back. And when instructed by race control, um, eligible P2 and P3 cars must move right and in single file. So again, this is all about, we're going to try and order the prototypes and order the GT cars. This specific rule is how to do so with prototypes intermingled with GT. And so here... The rule is saying we want the GT cars to stay left behind on the left side of the pace car and for the prototypes to move right, go around, and we will continue the ordering process. In here, this is the key part of 46.5.2 that was used by race control at Indianapolis where they deemed... The Porsches, running 1-2, had to run afoul of, and the number 31 Action Express Racing Cadillac, driven by Pippo Durrani, nailed yep. this and got this perfectly correct. So here's the part they cited saying this is where the Porsches messed up. Rule yep. says, cars not following the instructions of race control in a timely manner may lose their positions to cars responding as instructed. And so as we were told... The yep. leading Porsches, who were one, two at the time, were told to do this reordering process, move to the right, fire off ahead of the pace car. They did not in a timely manner. I believe the round number we was given, we were given, Graham, was 10 seconds or so of inactivity. Yep. And at that point, Pippo, although I didn't think to ask him whether he just did it on his own or this was an instruction given to him from uh, Pit Lane, but Pippo and that Cadillac, Lit the afterburners, passed both the Porsches, and started that reordering process as directed by IMSA, thereby moving in front of the Porsches, and with IMSA's race control deeming the Porsches to have not responded in a timely manner, they put the number 31 in first place for the restart, uh, simply because, yeah. So, to do this, I don't know what age, if we hit five years old, Caleb, or not, but In this process, IMSA says, when we tell you to move, we expect you to move. And if you don't, anyone else behind you who does, they're going to be rewarded with the lead and or being ahead of you when it comes time to restart the race. In this case, it was the cars that were first, second, and third overall. And the driver in third said, okay, for whatever reason, y'all are not responding or obeying. Two instructions, I am, off I go, and I know that that gives me and us an advantage. You and I, Graham, also heard from, I believe, one of the the leaders of Porsche's media, their communication side. We asked, did your drivers receive instructions over the radio to do this, go to the right and pass and, and reorder process? And that gentleman said, no, So doesn't sound like this was something where the Porsche drivers were just being obstinate, uh, recalcitrant, or otherwise. It just sounds like there was not instructions given to them to perform this maneuver, Uh, at least in speaking with Pippo after the race. He did say it's something he is well aware of. So, is this the revealing, Graham, of a rule that Action Express is both well-versed in, but its drivers are as well, and their drivers wouldn't necessarily need to be told by the, the their team to move around, but they would know that that is something they're supposed to do. And did this expose or reveal the fact that maybe the Porsche drivers wait for instructions to do such things compared to acting on their own? No We're not sure, it's but we do know that uh, that 31 Cadillac did as instructed, and was rewarded as outlined by the rules.
1: Well, you know, here's the point. Had that happened much, much deeper into the race, that could have been a far more telling moment, couldn't it? Um, But I doubt that's going to be a mistake they make more than once. Uh, What's next, MP? I think we're getting into a question about privateer cars. Jan Jensen?
0: What? Yeah, he says, R, the LMH and especially LMDH manufacturers, Graham, except Porsche soon going to sell any cars to privateers. He says for sure the spare part stocks must start to be available by now for almost a full year of running the cars and especially the hybrid parts. It was really coming at a premium in the early days. So what do you know about stockpiles of extra <laughs> Ferraris and whatever else is that might go uh, go on sale? Where, well, where am I visiting? Uh, bringatrailer.com. Right. Well, let's
1: start with the LMH manufacturers. There have been uh, Questions asked about whether or not Toyota might be prepared to see one of their cars in private hands. I think that's, uh, that could be quite an interesting question in the next year or two. Ferrari, uh, we've made it pretty clear they don't want that. And if we are going to see additional Ferraris, that uh, the likelihood is they'll have uh, very significant factory uh, involvement with those cars. There have been whispers of maybe a third car here and there, but that would be a third factory car. I don't see that happening anytime immediately soon. Peugeot, well, there was the um, so-called program from Presque Guerrero Sports, had absolutely everything uh, in line for that. They had um, everything except the money. And that seems to have uh, had that one hitting the, the buffer stops. Cadillac, I think next year. Uh, by next year, I mean 25, not 24. My apologies. So um, another year to get their programs bedded in. There was a revised car coming for the coming year. Alpine always did suggest that that was on their agenda. Lamborghini did. Then they said it wasn't. Now we're a bit confused as to what might happen with those there was the prospect of a third BMW for this season that went away a little while ago but i think BMW might be in the marketplace for a limited number of customer cars uh, moving forward who we missed p uh acura acura i think has said they won't
0: yes they have said that what about floyd uh, oh <laughs> come on my favorite uh, well, team of all time it's luggage uh um, or something
1: well let's where do we start baltic um, luggage it's if you're looking for a car that's a car s- only slightly quicker only quite slightly quicker but infinitely less reliable than lmp2 then Colin man
0: thank you for not getting us completely killed uh our pal ian keyworth <clears throat> <clears throat> mm. sorry it's a Flemmy episode not flemish but Flemmy episode Ian was well, were we'll last any more 963 privateer entries rumored for 2023 in Weckity Weck mm-hmm. and IMSA. Hey, I, I yep. know a guy who might have a story about such a thing. Uh, I'll just let us <laughs> take the rest. What do we think?
1: Well, I, uh, to find out what Proton are doing, uh, uh, it's going to be a blunt one. Read Delhi Sports Car. Stephen Kilby did a fantastic job uh, in a long chat with. Uh, with Christian Reed at Proton and I can tell you confirmed that they will be back in both championships next year but at the moment confirming only a single car in each there may well be plans for the third and fourth car for Proton during the season but it looks highly unlikely there's going to be two full season cars from Proton in either championship for next season. Lots of reasons behind that all of which are outlined by Stephen. Jota Um, well, I think we've got a question a bit later on. We could deal with that now, if you like, uh, MP. But Jota pretty much confirmed for a second car. Star Power Galore looking likely to be uh, coming into sway for that. JDC Miller will continue with their single car. I don't know if you're hearing who might be uh, another um, taker for the remaining available car for next year, MP.
0: Yeah, I've heard one team uh, over here. They'd really like to have it. I uh, just haven't heard anything about that actually happening.
1: Fine. Okay, but there is definitely someone waiting around to find out whether or not they get the nod. Well, let's talk about Jota. Jota obviously have come forward this year with their single car, the 38 car, with uh, cracking driver trio, Will Stevens, Antonio Felix da Costa, and Yfe Ye. uh, And yes, I have seen um, the stories during the rounds over the last couple of days uh, that talk about... Uh, Sebastian Vettel, and Jensen Button, and most of the stories uh, saying Robert Kubica. I don't think that one's correct. I think Jensen is very correct, and I think uh, Sebastian Vettel, they'd like it to be correct, uh, but I think we're a little way away from that quite yet. That would be some crew, uh, two ex Formula One world champions, and a third highly experienced driver who's not Polish um is what my understanding of where we might be with that crew. But the, the deal with Sebastian Vettel in particular is not done yet. Don't do anything other than pencil that in as a that'll be really cool, maybe. Are there conversations? I'm pretty certain there are. Uh is the contract, is it is it definitive? Absolutely definitely not yet. And my guess is we're a little wee way away from that. But the fact that we can have privateer teams wielding that kind of uh, ambition, uh, that's going to be a good thing, MP, surely.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. Got a couple questions here on Porsche 963 Development, and we Mm -hmm. have about 15 minutes left to record. So between uh, Nagaraj, Adam, and Matthew, which one piques your interest
1: the most? I think the answer is that, look, I think I said it during the broadcast for uh, for Fuji. There's no doubt in my mind that the Porsche Penske motorsports uh, team are going great guns with the benefit of having data from four cars on both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, so they've got the two cars in them, so they've got the two cars in Um, the WEC, they've got a reasonably good testing program going on as well. There is certainly an upgrade package coming for those cars, which means, by the way, the same upgrade package would have to be provided to all the privateer cars uh, because that will change their obligation. And I think they're just beginning to see the benefits of the fact they've got all that data in exactly the same way as in the WEC, Cadillac are feeling the strain because they've just got one car they can only only basically try one thing at a time. They, uh, every track, Porsche, Penske Motorsport can try, try two things. I think they're understanding better uh, what's happening with tyre life. They didn't seem to have the straight line speed disadvantage that we'd seen, for instance, at Le Mans and at uh, Monza. And I think they're beginning to unlock more of the potential. It It actually looked, in WC terms, for the first time, at um fuji mp like a race car
0: and we can obviously say that after a really statement making output at indianapolis we now need to consider the 963 a a vehicle worth fearing at many not all but many of the tracks we had here don't want to revisit everything we spoke about last week but yes yet again the real test of the 963's development in America by Porsche Penske Motorsport, there will be a moratorium on that at Road Atlanta because if it can be yep. quick, consistently quick at that track, uh, boy, this is <laughs> this is something to fear uh, for the rest of its rivals for sure. Let me scroll down here. James the Racing Geek says, with the increasingly limited number of spaces mm. on the grids for WEC, IMSA, and Le Mans, you foresee a future where teams are trying to hire more all-star drivers from other series to boost their chances of making the grid, such as current rumors around the all-star Jota crew. Interesting, right? Because this would only it, apply it to classes that would allow, quote, all-star lineups, knowing that uh, we still have some amity-am requirements. Uh, the LMG,
1: LMG, LMGT3. Um, I think the answer is... You're sort of barking up the wrong tree, but you're choosing the wrong time. I think some of them will, without a doubt. There's no doubt if you can get star power, you know, if you can get somebody that brings more attention, why wouldn't you? That's, I think, one of the reasons why the WC are looking forward greatly to having Valentina Rossi in the LMGT3 next year, which I think inevitably will be. The bit that I think will define the grid moving forward is going to be the aspiration for an increased grid number. Now, what do I expect? I expect 36 on the outside 37 cars in the WEC next season. And that is governed by a whole uh, range of things. Principally, it is pit lane space and uh, pit garage space at the circuits that are selected for 2024. There is some freighting um, capacity issues as well. But this is where I think you're going to see a change in 2025 because I think there is an aspiration to grow it. There are definitely other programs coming. You will be hearing some very good news um, on the hypercar front in days, not weeks. Uh, That much, I believe. Okay, so days, not weeks for at least one and possibly more good news stories coming for WC and hypercar. There is going to be an imperative, if you reel back MP, to... The questions we answered just a few moments ago about privateer cars, that's only going to send the numbers northwards. The reality here is they're going to be squeezed on the space. There's a, there's a finite number you can get to that starts to squeeze space elsewhere around Le Mans. But I think there's an aspiration to take this to 40. It definitely will not be in 2024, but I think they've got an aspiration maybe in 2025. And what's the net effect going to be for that? It'll define which circuits they will go to. So there will be some circuits that will be rejected from interest in the WEC and hosting a world championship event because they can't host enough cars in a pit lane defined in the way that WEC wants to define the pit lane. Yes, I know some of those circuits will and can and will take more cars. Uh, you know, we say 36, you say 45 or 50. The reality is You don't want to be in those pit lanes when they've got 50, 55 cars. It's not a pleasant place to be. Frankly, it's not a terribly safe place to be, and it makes it very messy indeed. Um, So the big change you're going to see, I think, is going to come for 2025, and that's when you can expect to see a calendar composed of circuits that are defined in World Championship terms by their ability to accommodate more than 36 cars.
0: I had a number of folks ask in a variety of ways. Is Glickenhaus
1: done, Graham? I hope not. I fear so. Um, I did hear, uh, oddly enough, about a potential program featuring the engine from that House. I'll say no more about that at the moment, but I, I've heard there was potential that that's people... Uh, turbo V eight might be of interest elsewhere, um, but I I I'm not sure what's in it at the moment for Jim. I think he knows that with the way that the he's had a bit of a taste for us this year, the way that the development curve is going with hypercar, and there's almost inevitability with this, isn't there? Is that he he can't, I don't think, wants to match the test programs development programs of these big budget factories now here's the thing the big budget factories are between a rock and a hard place you want to improve your car you can do that there's ways within the rules you can do that but you then run into the problem that you need to re-homologate those changes the big change is going to come the big uh, discussion is going to come as to you've then got to upgrade the customer cars Whose responsibility is that? Mm. Is that the factory? Because they want the car to be quicker, better, blah, blah, blah. But to do that, all the cars have got to be upgraded. My guess is gonna be you are not going to find the customer teams paying full whack for these upgrade kits. That will come at the cost of the factory. For Jim, there's a big part of me, I'd love to see him back. There's another part of me. That says, "Thank you, Jim, for what you did in the first two years. Mm. Now, go, now go and enjoy the memories, um, because I'm not sure that what we've got there is a package that could compete moving forward. Um, I may be wrong. There's part of me that hopes I'm wrong, but I, for one, as an enthusiast and as somebody that was tasked with, you know, keeping this rolling at a time when we had three, four, five cars at times." I think the sport owes a massive thank you to Jim Glickenhouse for the bridging program that he funded uh, that that started the launch phase of Hypercar at one of the most difficult times for all of us through the COVID period. Um, The fact that he did it, the fact that it was as successful as it was standing on the podium at Le Mans as a true privateer or bit of privateer factory, if you like um, that, in years to come, MP will be just one of those fairy tale stories. It's a bit. The, the, the other mark that comes to mind with this is Chaparral. Mm. That, for me, is that's what it what it is in twenty first century terms. It's a twenty first century Chaparral. It's passion, it's innovation, and he went out there and he he wanted to kick ass and he did, and. The sadness was he didn't win a race. Did set pole positions, but didn't win a race in world championship terms. But somehow, aren't they the cars that people rem- will remember more fondly? the more fondly—the one that coulda, shoulda, woulda? Aren't they the ones, the ones that you know we think about um, in five and ten and twenty and thirty years' time and thinking, the out. boy, that was cool. What they did. Um, you know, if you choose to come back, I'll be delighted. If he chooses not to, I'll completely understand and I will shake him firmly by the hand the next time I say, I see him and I urge anybody else that sees him to do likewise.
0: Amen. Also employed a lot of drivers too, which I appreciated a very diverse group. Many of them, some of them I should say have gone on to bigger factory opportunities, but, uh, Jim contributed massively to this space and to yeah. make things better in every way also a real character as well um we the world needs more jim Glickenhouses and, and motor racing just period. i completely agree uh let's see why don't we do some rapid fire brother because we are getting down to Go the final it. minutes of the show uh nagaraj Shinoi says mp when do you expect imsa to start accepting lmh cars and who is most likely to move to the u.s first kevin kemp you ask the same i've heard nothing uh, so far to suggest that IMSA is doing wind tunnel and all other benchmark testing for any LMH model. I'd love to hear I think it, they, Graham. They,
1: they, they'd, they'd love to have a Ferrari, of I course. know. There's been talk about a Toyota. So Peugeot have got a big, big issue to do with the electronics. But um, this isn't the, a
0: case, though, of when will IMSA no. start accepting, nope. which no, suggests they're, they're holding uh, the gate closed they would welcome one or more hypercar manufacturers to say, we want to come do this and then get Correct. them into that benchmarking program. Uh, let's see. Let me scroll down here. Dean Rufili and Damian Peachman yep. asking uh, about good old Pugiot. Uh, yep. Dean mentioning uh, Endurance Info had a report last week that Peugeot's undertaking an extensive redesign of the 9X8 to feature a rear wing. Have you heard anything about that? Uh, and wouldn't such a major redesign maybe fall outside of that homologation Joker
1: uh, one-time fix-it rule? Well, two things. Uh, I think you'll find that Stephen Kilby wrote about this and wrote about it about two months ago. Oh! Um, the other he did. Uh, and I'm delighted to hear that our friends at Insurance Info have nailed things down. Watch Daily SportsCon this week. That's all I'll say.
0: There we go. And I can we can reveal here... No rear wing, no front wing, pair of side Same. wings. So they're breaking more. Side more. Wings. Yep, that's right. Um, it is the first ten meter wide hypercar. <laughs> so yes, uh, hashtag breaking exclusive scoop. Uh, off in the it's, S's it's, Yeah, this is what I want to know about. Yeah, yep. what's but, latest on Marshank Racing? Seems like it's becoming more and more likely that they won't be on the grid next year with an Acura x 6 feel like we might have touched on that a little bit last week but okay uh do you think it's more likely that we could see them stay in imsa with i don't know a p2 or gt program or not be present on the imsa grid at all so this is without a doubt the touchiest subject of 2023 in imsa um don't mind repeating for those who might not have heard i've asked Honda a performance development about this somewhat recently. And, Oh boy. Oh, that did not go over. Well, uh, they did not want to talk. They didn't want the question to be asked. They did wanted nothing to do with that whatsoever. Um, you can ask the shank team and they will give you the same. Uh, I don't know who you're talking to, but it's not us, uh, go away type in a very polite way. Uh, as only Matt Cleary and the Sunday group can do. So again, it's not a criticism, just sharing a little bit of, hey, it's not something they want to talk about. But we also can't ignore reality. So if I mentioned this last week after Indianapolis, I apologize for repeating it, but again, not everybody heard last week's episode. We feel confident in saying, Graham, that there has been a big hope after the whole colossal pooping of the bed At Daytona being caught found to be cheating, circumventing the rules, not just running out of compliance, but actually trying to cover up their cheating by running tire pressures that are below the minimum allowed by Michelin. Uh altering the data coming across telemetry to IMSA to make it look like they were running in compliance. This being revealed five weeks after the event or whatever it was, Graham the Mm -hmm. stripping of all points and monetary fine and the race engineer who was in charge of this being uh, suspended and then, I believe, fired, whatever, whatever. Right. Lots of repercussions. We know the biggest one, if we just look season long, that being the loss of major championship points, which put the team in a big title hole. Uh, We also know that it put the team in massive disrepute with acura slash honda and so there are two things kind of diverging and then converging caught cheating loss of huge victory points huge setback in the championship and the manufacturer because keep in mind that while acura's does not pay for everything right that's why we see branding Mm -hmm. from other companies on that meyer shank racing acura uh this is a factory program this is a thing where acura slash honda spends a bunch of money hires teams to run the cars on their behalf that meaning myershank racing is indeed a vendor and so because they're an extremely good team myershank racing was able to do well earn lots of points win a race here not too long ago and get themselves back into title contention with two races left to go so just mentioning the backstory here because there was a non-public mention but kind of privately understood hope that, hey, if we can really get ourselves back in title contention by Petit Le Mans, the season finale, and maybe win the championship despite this huge hole we dug for ourselves, we're giving ourselves the best chance possible for accurate to say, okay, we can't let you go despite this big foul committed in January. Indianapolis was not kind to either of the Acuras, be it the Marshank Racing, Air X06, or the Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti Acura. Uh, they weren't terrible, but they weren't great. Wayne Taylor Racing went into the event with the championship lead, came out without the championship lead, not far behind. But Marshank Racing really needed to have an Indianapolis that propelled them very far forward in the standings, Graham, in order to have this bit of a Hail Mary hope of going into Petit with a real chance of winning the title and holding on to this contract and relationship with Acura. That did not happen at Indianapolis. Uh, And so, again, I think maybe mathematically there's still a chance at Petit, but there's no practical reality where we expect them to be able to win the championship which would then therefore in this many tiered thing, come back to the question here. Um, Since we can't think of any realistic way where they'd win the title, I don't think that making it impossible or almost impossible for actor and HPD to bid farewell to them scenario is going to play out. And so I don't, I didn't read the contents of the story. There was one written, uh, I think, on the Friday at Indianapolis with some quotes from Wayne Taylor. I believe you told me, Graham, that story was subsequently taken down. I don't know what the yeah. contents of it were, but I just I was told the general posing was one of uh, Wayne Taylor racing with Andretti only expects two actors to be on the grid next year and their team has been confirmed by acura as running two cars it's Mm -hmm. a without saying Shank racing won't continue with acura using those exact words that would be another way of presenting or or air quote confirming that but that story again was taken down at, at whomever's request so this is the thing where It's been a known and expected thing if this Hail Mary were to not pan out for this relationship on the IMSA side to come to an end. It's also something that I know many of us have not wanted to put too fine of a point on because you root for good teams like Meyerschank Racing, despite this cheating that took place, having done their 350th sports car race, Graham... Uh, that Mm -hmm. happening at Indianapolis, to be able to continue. And so even though I think a number of us can say we've had no doubt for a really long time that this relationship was coming to an end, you don't want to put too much dirt, uh, you don't want to start filling the grave and putting the dirt on top of it prematurely in case there's a possibility of things continuing. So even though that now looks very slim and remote, Um, you would hope without unnecessarily sullying their name even further that you would hear from other manufacturers having an interest in working with them. I think you've documented that we've discussed this many times on the show about some of the brands we've heard that might've kicked the tires or they might, the team might've spoken with. Keep hoping that a Porsche 963 might be something they can get their hands on to continue, but ask the team Ask whomever, and they aren't saying a word. So since they're not giving us any formal or informal confirmation of anything, we're still waiting to see exactly what the future holds for them. Right now appears to be the sun setting on a uh, very productive championship-winning relationship in prototypes and GT with Acura.
1: (laughs) Right, I'm going to suggest because we are beyond the time we sort of predefined. Uh, I'm going to have a quick look down and grab a couple from Little lower. If we haven't got to your questions, I'm really sorry we haven't got to your questions, and you've been so good getting these two are so very quickly this evening, with uh, just a couple of hours between us putting up the call and Daniel putting this together for us, do please resubmit them when you see the call again um i'm gonna answer two questions one quick one from ryan terpstra describe indianapolis motor speedway for us you read my article first time impressions never get old awesome is you know something about there are very few places in the world in motorsport where you go and feel the history that certainly is one of them and i'll say it again i didn't meet anybody other than awesome people in the yellow jackets the people they're helping uh the the place to take along, uh, people helping spectators, spectators, people marshalling in the paddock area and in particular in the media room. A, a genuinely lovely weekend experience with people there. That's what I'd say to you, Ryan. Clearly, would love to go back and watch the, the actual speedway uh, in operation, and, and I'll be on a chat with my mate Marshall because I gather he knows knows the guy. Never heard of him. Um, There you go. Ed Joris, uh, last one I'm going to take says, Graham, whilst bouncing around Europe, have you ever taken in a stage of the tour de France? If so, what was it like to take in a different form of wheeled endurance racing? Ed? Yes, I have, but not in the way that you might imagine, because I was actually part of the team that brought the tour de France to the UK for the very first time. So, um, I actually watched the opening stage of the tour de France. um, uh, from a lofty vantage point with over a million people on the streets of London, it is one of the things in my professional life I am extremely proud of. Uh, we have an awesome team that made a massive difference. And uh, what you see nowadays in the cycling uh, facilities in central London um, was down to the efforts of those people to make a difference in the ability of people to cycle safely into and out of our capital city so yes i have it's all kinds of awesome it's not my sport but i love sport on a grand scale whatever um the code so uh, i have and i know other people who who you know who've watched more of the mountain stages and again like any big sporting event if you get a chance why wouldn't you go and do it what do you want to finish with mp or wrap it
0: up well we got a couple of quick ones here matt busby how's has IMSA viewership fared in the gtp era i don't have a f- hard numbers in front of me but i was looking at some of them last night and they did appear to be more impressive than i recall seeing in the past matt so i'd say positive and up for sure uh turbo lag asks curious how or why the paul miller bmw was able to dominate and avoided any significant bop in imps of season well keep in mind it's not the paul miller bmw it's the BMW used by multiple teams, multiple models, I'm sorry, multiple versions of that model by uh, more than one team, the ability for a model to do a lot of winning without receiving heavy BOP restrictions uh, kind of how it's supposed to work, right? Unless there is some sort of over-advantage uh, compared to under-advantage yep. seen by IMSA on its data, uh, there would be nothing to modify. So if a team like paul miller's doing uh a better job be it in their choice of drivers uh, race strategy pit stop expediency and consistency etc um yeah it it's not a common thing for sure winning effectively almost half or we'll see what the number ends up being after Petit. but winning five races is a big thing graham obviously but uh this team championship winner multiple times already before this year um This is not something that should be received as totally uncommon. Nor would this be something where I'd say, oh, IMSA needs to step in and slow that car down. Um, The being on pole, leading every lap, race after race, that will pique a lot of folks' interest. That's not the way they've gotten it done necessarily this year. So, yeah, um, winning a bunch of races doesn't necessarily equate to why isn't the series slowing them down, at least in my mind.
1: Yeah, indeed. I think that's us for the show this week, MP. I've got places to be. So do you. Um, and we will say uh, goodbyes. We'll, so before that, uh, that uh, one final thank you to everybody. It's been a while since we've done a questions-linked episode. Thank you for responding so very quickly. Thanks again to Daniel Summerskill. A mega job for him to turn this around so quickly and make our lives easier. Thanks, as always, to you, MP, for making the time to do this, and thanks to Trudy for allowing me to come down to the office at an ungodly time of the night uh, to do this well. Um, this has been with thanks to Cooper Tyres, the Justice Brothers and Toronto Motorsport.com, the weekend sports cars featuring him, Marshall Pruitt, me, Graham Goodwin. It's part of course of the awesome collection of podcasts put our way uh, on the web on a weekly basis and more by Marshall Pruitt. Find out from uh, find out more on all the available platforms. For now, though, for the weekend sports cars, we will speak to you next week. All right, matey. All right, mate. Take care. A little bit. Good. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye.